0: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sailorville Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jason, and I'm here uh, this afternoon with our producer, Tanner Archer, uh, who has the best beard this side of the Mississippi, and Trevor Mears, who preached this last Sunday morning here at Sailorville Church, a really great message in our message series, uh, Keeping It Real, in the book of James. And uh, Trevor, I was thinking this week, you and I got to know each other four or five years ago at a Summer Connect event. And you then, mean when
1: I crashed a picnic? Is that's that, right. Is that really you, what you're trying you to say? You showed up yeah. at
0: somebody else's house before even coming to Sailorville for a service, and then we ended up in a small group together, and uh, just a really great couple of years there getting to know each other.
1: And I dragged you down a river in a kayak for like eight hours right. one day when that's it was right. about 34 degrees. So yeah, <laughs> you were doing a great job of onboarding the new guy.
0: <laughs> that's what we do to everybody yeah. New yeah. here. We throw them in a kayak
1: for five hours. That's how you find out who's real, right? <laughs> But you did tell a little bit of your
0: Sailorville story this last Sunday morning, um, uh, how you and Terry and the girls got here. And would you just kind of share that for a, a, a minute or so? How is that part of even this passage? Um, but specifically, how did how did you get to Sailorville and, and why Sailorville?
1: Yeah, specifically, I mean, we'd been in, um, you yeah, know, I talked a little bit of the sermon, but just churches that were uh, um, very. They were solid doctrinally, but we didn't see a lot of grace and a lot of just love for people. And and frankly, a lot of um, evangelism to adults. We we were in churches. We saw a lot of kids because their parents were believers would get saved, which is great. That's what we all want for our kids. But we also want to be reaching our communities. Mm -hmm. And just increasingly over the years, we felt like we need to get around a church where we can learn how to be better at that ourselves. And uh, we'd we'd looked around at various churches. um, But one thing just kept coming back. I was looking at uh, social media feeds of Sailorville and I'm seeing – adults getting baptized and I see this baptism wall in the back where people write their name like wouldn't it be cool to be around a church where people are getting baptized and being discipled and uh, really the the kicker was you know we've got a a daughter with special needs and we saw there was a special needs ministry Mm -hmm. and we said well put all that together we probably ought to go take a look and you know Pat alluded to this at the end of the sermon um, but we had tried multiple churches and a couple of them frankly just said your daughter's too much and I mean that's about as heartbreaking as it gets, right? That a church would say somebody's too much work. And mm. so we were definitely, my wife more than me, very nervous about trying a place. So, I mean, literally, I remember the first Sunday we pulled in the parking lot, she said, I hope we don't leave here in tears because we've done it before. Yeah. And so we went in and um, dropped off Katie and um, gave my text number and I said, you know, let us know if there's a problem. And um, during the first song, my phone buzzed and I thought, well, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the exit. And uh, it's a picture from uh, a guy named David Tashner, which anybody at Saylorville knows David and Lori. Uh, he was in Rise Up, and he sent me a picture of her uh, singing and dancing, saying we're having a great time. And yeah. um, I told my wife that afternoon, I was like, I don't really know what they'd have to say at a sermon now for us not to come back. Um, <laughs> we could have really messed it up after yeah, that, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of rain after that. But, <laughs> but it really had to do with a lot of like what James One is about, because yeah, right. it had to do with um, – You know, James, as you guys start getting into chapter two and things, it's all about don't show favoritism. Welcome anyone into your congregation. And, um, you know, literally when Jesus talks about the least of these, well, I would put my daughter as one Mm -hmm. of those. She's not going to be a financial giver. She's not going to be able to serve in the church. So if you minister to somebody like that, that says something to me about the heart of a church. Okay, so Trevor's talking
0: about a ministry called Rise Up Mm -hmm. here at Sailorville and it's a compassion ministry. It's amazing. It's tons of fun one of our favorite things that, that uh, God allows us to do here. You guys were here for four years yeah. uh, at Sailorville yeah. and now you're at Lakeside. Um, one of the pastors there, uh, just loving it. I, I know that they love you guys as well, and uh, had the opportunity this last Sunday to preach here. And you called it sort of a homecoming. It was kind of fun to yeah, be back here. Yeah, it was. I
1: mean, I need to come back just to go to church and spend the time talking to people <laughs> next time. But uh, yeah, it's... It was so good. I think it might have been the first time I've been back in a year and a half yeah. that I've been gone because you know when you're a pastor you don't get to leave on Sundays very much. From Sundays are sort of a big deal. You kind of yeah. need to be there. Yeah. So um, to get to come back to preach uh, was just awesome. And uh, you know it kind of breaks out that you spend four years here. At, it almost feels like a university time for us because it was wow. during that time uh, I had no intention of being a pastor when we came here. I didn't have that on the radar. But just over the the time we were here through a variety of things, God just started speaking to my heart. And uh, uh, you and Pastor Pat and others, I mean, you guys were some of the guys I came to and said, am I crazy if I think about going to seminary? And Mm. all of you said, we could see you doing that. And so with that encouragement, I pursued it and um, eventually got to know Lakeside Fellowship and they extended a call to come join the staff. So uh, very cool to be back on the home turf on Sunday, get to share the word. So. This is just
0: like the introduction, but there's several lessons here, right? Uh, Trevor and Terry jumped really with both feet into ministry here at Sailorville. I mean, went through the membership thing, got in a community group. uh, Terry especially was counseling for a little while. Uh, Trevor was a deacon. You guys led groups and uh, were just super willing and able. And and then God called you to Lakeside, which we're really excited about here in the Engage Network. So I think
1: that is a big lesson, like you said, right? I mean, there's an old saying that um, you can't steer a parked car. Right. And when I talk to people say, well, I've been trying to decide if I should consider ministry full-time or something, the question always has to be, well, what are you doing now, right. right? Do things in the place you're in. That's how God's going to start to direct you. And that's really what, um, again, not with the intention of discovering a full-time ministry role, mm-hmm. but just we wanted to be a part of the church and we are excited about what was happening. And, and through that, God opened doors.
0: Yeah. So this passage that you preached this last Sunday, James one twenty six and 27, mm-hmm. comes right on the heels of the don't just be hearers, but be doers. And then James says, okay, so here's some examples of how to be a doer. This is what to do with the truth. Of God's word, so Trevor, if you would read the passage, uh, just a couple of verses, and then just kind of give us a summary. If you were telling somebody, you know, on an elevator or in in the car next to you or whatever, in the grocery store, here here's what this passage is about, and then we'll sort of dig into a couple of the things that you said on yeah, Sunday.
1: You bet. James chapter one, verses twenty six and twenty seven. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Yeah, the, the Kind of the overall theme of James is what you just said and what you had preached on the prior week, like don't just know, go do. And he says don't look in a mirror of God's word and then walk away unchanged. You have to be transformed by it. And I think a lot of his theme in here too is the theme of self-deception, that you think you're doing okay, but if we really evaluate Whether your faith produces action, we see you're not as okay as you think. And that's uh, really what he's talking about here with um, what is religion that is pure and undefiled? Mm -hmm. What is religion that's not worthless? And he gives three tests. He says, number one, uh, if you have pure religion, your tongue will be bridled, which he'll talk a lot more about in James 3. Uh, Your tongue will be controlled. Uh, you will care for widows and orphans and you will be unstained by the world. So really it's, if you're worried that I'm one of those people who might have a defiled religion and impure religion, well, he said, look at these three tests. They're going to tell you a lot about whether it's, it's right. And really the, I called the message inside out religion because it's all about your actions betray what's in your heart. So Mm -hmm. James, uh, and I said that at the end of the sermon, just understand this is not him Calling you on your behavior as much as he's calling you what's on your heart, because your behavior will follow.
0: So, talk to us about religion. It's it's a word that uh, we don't use a lot, actually. We I think we may sort of shy away from it a little bit in our circles in the evangelical church. But James says, if if you want to be religious, if you want to have pure and undefiled religion, here's three what you call tests. Uh, Is that word religion? Is it okay to use? I mean, is it a good thing? Should we be religious? I think the world. Hears that word and they have a concept of what that looks like. Um, we hear that word, we may have a different concept. Yeah, a couple of years ago, a guy came out with this, uh, you know, just spoken word why I love Jesus and not religion or something like that. Somebody will call me on that because that's not the exact, title, yeah. I think it's a
1: book called Jesus is Greater Than Religion with something the cool like greater yeah. sign and yeah. greater than sign. Um, yeah, Russell Moore, uh, famous commentator right now, he just came out with a book called Losing My Religion. Yep. Um, after I think it's an REM song, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that word, um, I guess I would say inherently, I don't think it's a problematic word on its own. I mean, James even is, you know, obviously we're le- reading a translation here, but the word translates religion. And he's saying there is a pure religion. There is an undefiled religion. Um, I think where it the, the connotation that can, becomes a problem is it's outward ceremony. That's usually right. what people are talking about, right? right? When people say, well, I'm not very religious. I think they usually mean I don't go in for all this really organized structure, almost like superstructure of yeah. a religion. They're usually thinking of big ceremonies and usually I think what's wrapped up in what they're saying is, I don't like hypocrites who do a bunch of ritual but don't have a good heart, Yeah. to which I would say, Jesus is with you on that one. That's right. right. That's exactly yep. what James is saying too, is yep. God doesn't want that. And in the sermon, I pointed to Amos chapter 5, which is one of many passages in the Old Testament, where God condemns Israel and says, you're doing all the right religion, mm-hmm. you're doing the spiritual activities, but your hearts are stones, your hearts are sh- betraying and one of the reasons he shows that in the Old Testament is they're not caring for the people around them, which yeah. is the same thing James says. So I think that's usually what the people are talking about when they say religion. They mean a lot of people putting on a show. And yeah. James, he's going after the same people.
0: Yeah, so there's a a concern maybe even in our churches, uh, our church specifically, that might be listening to this and a little bit beyond that, that we would do the same thing, that we would fall into this same pathway of just doing the externals and that's not what James is asking us to do so these three um, tests or proofs or or opportunities to, to show that we are religiously pure and that we've got a heart that's chasing after the Lord and his people um, let's get into those a little bit right so the first one is uh, controlling your tongue so he, he talks about speech later he's talked about it a little bit before this but uh, help us understand that a little bit more Trevor why, why is this like a big deal to James? Why is this one of the signs that you're actually living for the Lord?
1: Well, I think these three tests as a whole, the reason he points to them, these are really hard to fake. I can fake outward religion pretty effectively if I've been around it a long time. Yeah. You know, I can show up at the right things. I can, you know, when I'm around the right people, talk the right way. Wow. Um... Really hard to fake controlling your tongue, really hard to fake actually caring for people on the margins mm-hmm. uh, hard to fake being unstained by the world and so he starts with the tongue that um, you know Jesus says in Luke that out of the abundance abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, it's going to pour out of you yeah and man we all know that, don't we that we think we're pretty good at hiding our thoughts, but your mouth is going to give you away and that's what James is getting to. You, you're not going to be able to hide this very long from people around you, that if if your religion is a put on, your mouth will betray you pretty soon.
0: Okay. So talk to the husband, the wife, maybe Um, they're, they're, they're struggling with this. What, what would you say? Scripture says, here's some things that you should do to help bridle that tongue, to help control that tongue. Just give us some action steps here um, based on what pure religion really looks like in our homes.
1: Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a guy this morning um, who let me know that he's, really snapped at his wife today and Mm. felt bad. And I said, well, why? Yeah. It's a great question. And he said, my pride. Uh. She insulted my pride. I'm like, okay, so now we're getting somewhere, right? That it's, what's in your heart? I mean, we have to look at that. And it's like, why do I have such a prideful heart that makes me snap at people? Because the minute they compromise what I see as how they should be treating me, um, I pop back. And I mean, pride, it's been said pride's the mother of all sins. Mm. that's usually at the root that people aren't treating me as well as I expect or they're not giving me the respect I deserve. Um, That can all lead to language. So that comes out in that way. So I think um, just trying to get to what is it in my heart that's making me react this way and starting um, your day with being in the word and prayer and, and knowing what your temptations are going to be with your tongue, right? That if I'm anticipating it, then I find scripture specifically at that heart problem, right? Um, and one I've been working with some people on recently is Galatians two twenty, that I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live yet not I. Yep. But Christ liveth in me. So therefore, during today, yep. I shouldn't be able to get easily insulted because I'm already crucified. I'm already gone. Christ exists here, not me. So no matter what they say, it's Christ is what matters, not my pride. So just trying to get your heart in the right place and your your tongue is gonna reveal that. That's, so that's
0: really good counsel to us. So identify something that you struggle with and then connect that to a truth from Scripture or or a response from Scripture and say, here's something that I need to work on and here's something that I can uh, memorize or that I can put into practice that will help combat that struggle that I have. And for so many of us, speech, the way we use our tongue, is absolutely one of the, one of the things that we struggle with. You know, it's, Proverbs is full of that, right? And even James yep. said earlier in relationship to our... Uh, engagement with the truth and with the word, and then even just socially, yeah, be slow to speak. It's like a problem for us.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you take it beyond just your verbal interactions, right. your written ones. That's and, right. Um, I mean, how many of us have Christian friends that we suddenly realize we don't care for that much anymore? Now we look at their social feed, yeah. right? It happens all the time. And, People are revealing themselves there. And that's, again, coming out of the heart. They're speaking there.
0: What if we took our social media feeds and removed everything that we have said that is not Ephesians 4, wholesome, let no unwholesome word come out. And we just took everything. It would How much would there be left on our Facebook
1: or our Twitter or whatever? Yeah, what would you do with Twitter or X? I'd, there wouldn't be much left. Whether Talk radio. That's I why mean,
0: people sh- subscribe to those things, because they want to see all the dumpster fires that people light.
1: It is, and I mean that goes to your heart too, honestly. Because like, <laughs> what, right. what are you attracted to? Whether it be talk uh-huh. radio or Twitter or whatever. Um, if you like the outrage machine, that uh-huh. is those things. Well, why is that? What's what's in your heart that makes you want the outrage? Yep. Right? You want somebody that gets that I'm being mistreated, and they're on my team, and yep. all of that is still pride and selfishness. Yeah, that's so good.
0: Okay, so guard your tongue, control your tongue. That's test number one. Number two is love the people that are on the margins and James calls them widows and orphans. I I really appreciate how you said he's not just saying only love widows and orphans, right? There's a lot of other people that we might call marginalized was a word that you used. Give us some other examples, because sometimes we get stuck into this category or this rut of only thinking of people in certain, um, you know, the widows and orphans. Who else other than widows and orphans could be marginalized?
1: You, you really just think about anybody who doesn't have somebody looking out for him, uh. somebody supporting him. And not it's easy to think just finances here. And that's a big one. But there's more than that. There's loneliness is an epidemic in yeah. our culture right now. Yep. And I even think about you know, one of the loneliest demographics is middle aged men. Huh. And many times these are guys who have every capability to have a job and money's not their issue. They just have no friendships and they yeah. don't feel like they have anybody they can talk to. That could be the person in your life that needs you to come alongside them and be an encouragement. Um, you think about anybody, uh, again, we have daughter of special needs. Like right? Those folks absolutely are folks on the margins and their families. Think about that too. That Think about the person who's caring for somebody like that. That it's exhausting and it's very taxing on them. So maybe that's somebody that you could come alongside. Yeah. I think of uh, immigrants, you know, think about first generation people here in America, how many things they're overcoming. And there's a lot of them here in Des Moines um, mm-hmm. that are finding their way in America. Those are all folks that we could come alongside and, and help.
0: Okay. So these are people that don't have others looking out for them. Um, you know, God loves us with what you. You referred to as agape love uh, there in the New Testament. It's it's that Greek word for the love that God gives us, the love that God loves us with. Um, I think it was about a year ago the U.S. Surgeon General came out with this big report, and based on a whole bunch of research from the U.S. about this loneliness pandemic or epidemic, really. And some of it came from the COVID pandemic, and some of our work at home and lack of face-to-face relationships. How how can how can we love? People that are lonely with that agape kind of love, if that's even possible, Trev.
1: You know, really what agape love is defined by is I don't count what I'm going to get back. That's right. Yeah. And for me personally, that man, that was a real breakthrough yeah. um, years ago when I started thinking, because I was. I realized I was being really transactional in my relationships. Huh. That I would, I would interact with somebody if they made me feel good in return, or if there was some advantage I gained by networking with them, or something like that. Sure. And it just God convicted me and said, "What are you doing? You need to go to that person, regardless of whether they even smile back at you." Uh. Just let, I think being seen, and that's what I talked about the the word visit that James uses here to visit widows and orphans. It means to look in on them in order to care for them, and that starts with seeing them. Notice that they're even there, and I think. So much of loneliness is you just wonder, does anyone even know I'm here? Is Does anybody else feel like I do? Has anyone been through the stuff that I'm going through? Mm. And I think just letting them know they're they're seen. And we, we feel so much pressure that, well, if I can't go in and solve their problem, I shouldn't get involved. Which is a very Western, probably even very male Fixer. Western yeah. think way of thinking that um, you don't have to go and solve it. Just be there. It's just like when we're talking to someone who's grieving, we'll feel this pressure to say perfect things. Just show up. That's what they'll remember. And um, so let them know they're seen, I think is a big one. And then find people who are going through something you've been through. Mm. You know, Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians 1, that comfort others with the comfort you've received. Walk that backwards and say, well, when were the hardest times of my life? And what helped me? Who were the people that came alongside me? What did they do? Okay, go do that for somebody else.
0: Yeah. But surely, Trevor, Sunday morning at church, when you've got a couple dozen, a couple hundred, maybe even a couple thousand people around you, you can't be lonely on Sunday morning, can you? No, nobody's
1: lonely in a crowd, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) We sometimes excuse maybe our lack of um, loving others the way we should uh, with, well, there's so many other people here, and there's so many people around them, and you can't be lonely at a place like Sailorville Church on Sunday morning, right? There's so many people, and everybody's friendly.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a Midwest nice thing, as we like to say, right? Yeah. You, people can be really friendly to you in passing, but do they ever actually find out what's going on with you? And, and and friendly is not
0: agape love. Those no, two things aren't no. equal.
1: Um, and you got to go beyond the, how you doing? Oh, I'm I'm good. Yep. Well, that's just what we say. So you got to, and you can't do it for everybody, but find a few folks that you can go deeper with and see how they're really doing. I Another thing I learned a few years ago is I started at the end of a week, I'd sit down and just scroll through my text and see, well, how many people did I just check in on this week? Uh. And I started using that as a measurement to say, well, not very many. Well, okay. Who haven't you reached out to for a while? And another thing I learned is having prayer lists is really good for that because when you start praying for somebody, it's going to trigger a thought. And I have not talked to that guy in weeks. I'm going to shoot him a note or I'm going to give him a call and just ask how you're doing. And that just think about how good you feel when somebody sends you a note and just ask, How's it going? Especially if it's tied to something you've told them in the past. Like, hey, you mentioned to me your new boss was kind of a handful." How's that going? Yeah. Man, that makes me feel so seen that somebody remembers that conversation.
0: <clears throat> so if we can, J- James's point here is pay attention to the people that don't get much attention from anybody, right? And love them with the same kind of love that God loves you. That's agape love. Um, but we probably have a way too narrow picture of what people on the margins really look like. There's probably people all around us every single day, maybe even in our office, maybe in our family, certainly in our neighborhood, definitely in our town, our cities, that would be considered people that don't have people looking after them very often. And so maybe a challenge for us is, who who do you need to one another this week with that agape kind of love? Maybe look at people a little bit differently um, and love them with the way that God has loved you. Might not necessarily be a widow, but it could be. Might not necessarily be an orphan, but it could be. Um, But there are people out there that absolutely need God's love, just like he's loved us.
1: Yeah, they're everywhere. If you you just open your eyes, just look around.
0: So we do have a set of ministries here called Hartford-Des Moines at Sailorville. And I know you guys are working on stuff at Lakeside as well, and that's really exciting. Um, Our Hartford-Des Moines ministries partner with Uh, I love the way you said it, vetted organizations or people that are already in the community doing these things. Can you help us with that a little bit? Because sometimes I think it just feels overwhelming, like, okay, I've got to go deliver food to the homeless people under the bridge, or I've got to go find an immigrant family, or I need to go find somebody that doesn't have lunches and pack lunch. How do I do that personally?
1: Yeah, that that is so true. And um, so many times I've seen people think, well, I guess I need to start a food pantry then. Well, please don't. (laughs) <laughs> right, uh, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of things already in existence that have already done all the infrastructure stuff. They already have the contacts. They know where the people are who need the stuff. They have the communication channel. Let people know when they have things they need. Um, so find a charity that aligns with whatever group you feel called to.
0: Like one of the Hartford- get involved Des in Partners. Hartford Des Moines would be yeah. a great
1: one because I know in there you've got. Um, Sayville Schools. You've yeah. got Japa. If homeless yeah. are on your heart, yeah. you've got um, Foster Family Ministries. Yep. Um, who else? Agape. Agape. Kind of crisis, yeah, pregnancy. crisis Pregnancy. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Um, and then there's an organization that I've been on the board for for years called Freedom for Youth. That is a gospel-based ministry yep. in uh, downtown Des Moines that serves kids. Um, so there's all kinds of things that you can get involved with. Um, and literally, I got started doing any of this kind of stuff. I went on a mission. I went on a mission trip to Haiti. And I came back and I had the same feeling so many people do when they go on a missions trip, especially to Haiti. Uh Like, is there, I mean, one guy called it like trying to punch a hole in water. Uh Like, can we make any difference in a place like this? And I was sitting there wondering, I don't know if we did any good or not. And the price of my plane ticket probably could have employed five of the guys I met for three weeks, right? All those feelings you have. And so I thought I need to find a place. And I drew a circle around my desk chair in downtown Des Moines, five Mm -hmm. mile radius And I found this Freedom for Youth, didn't know anything about it. I literally walked in the door one day and asked the volunteer coordinator, what can I do? And uh, they had several things that perfectly aligned with what I did professionally and uh, been involved ever since and wound up serving on the board and been involved. So that literally, I just walked in. And I mean, there's certainly prayer as part of that, right? You're praying to God, like, open the door for me, show me what I could get involved with. But Hartford, Des Moines, I would absolutely just start there because there's contacts here at Sailorville. There's people yep. connected to each of those ministries. Yep. So you can just get in touch with them and say, what kind of things do you need? Yeah. Whether that's material goods or getting involved with a, you know, mentoring somebody or whatever it is that they might actually need.
0: So let's broaden our perspective on what the marginalized look like, and then let's deepen our commitment to doing what God's word says and pay attention with agape love. You mentioned a book earlier. Uh, we've got some really great readers, people that you know, really want to jump into books like that. You want to uh, mention the name? Yeah, of the there's book? a
1: book and now it's been expanded into yeah. a whole training program. Yep. It's called When Helping Hurts. Yeah, it's really good. And it had a huge impact on me. A lot of other people I know, there's a lot of folks at Saylorville who have been through the program. That um, It really addresses the the thing we all get concerned about is how do I know I'm not just throwing money down the drain if I help somebody or literally am I making things worse, which many times if you get involved in somebody who's um, trying to break the poverty cycle, you're well-intended, but you're actually making it worse because you're creating dependency or you're taking away their agency, basically their self-worth because you're just doing stuff for them. And this program in that book um, really helped shape my thinking about Getting off that fixer mentality, right? Yeah. How do I come alongside? And really, in a nutshell, it's the, instead of giving them a fish, you teach them to fish. Yeah. We've all heard that, but it goes through in a lot of detail and, and shows how to do that. So if somebody's interested in this and they're worried about, I have no idea what I'm doing, that's a great thing to, to yeah. start with.
0: So start small and and meet with the people that are immediately in front of you, the widows and orphan types. And then if you want more, jump into something like this when helping hurts and, uh, don't use that as an, ex- as an excuse, right? Well, I don't want to do anything until I know all about it. But yeah, uh, cause you know,
1: I thought when I was working on the sermon, I didn't have time to talk about it, but I mean, if you went to Jesus and said, well, Jesus, what if I try to help these people and a lot of them don't handle it properly? He'd say, yeah. Yeah, I think I know what that feels like, right? <laughs> Welcome mean, of, to my life, of Jesus. Of course, says. right? That's what <laughs> yeah. happens. And um, yet he did it, right? Yeah, he did it yeah. anyway. And so that that's what we're called to do. And it it's going to feel inefficient at times. And there's going to be times you're frustrated. I mean, I've had plenty of those. Um, but I can't not do something. Compassion
0: and efficiency don't usually go... Hand in hand, right, right. We yeah. we te- if you if you love compassion, it doesn't always happen efficiently. And if you're all about efficiency, then compassion sort of <laughs> is not on not high on your list of ways to do things. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, guard your tongue. Love people that are on the margins, and then. Don't be stained by worldly influences, right? Cast off those words. That was really good, Trevor. And some of that comes from personal experience that you've had that I would say some people in our church have the same kind of experience growing up in you know, churches like that, uh, understanding what works really do for us and what they don't do for us and whether God loves us if we do this or that or whatever. But you made a statement that I wrote down and I've been sort of mulling over it. The church's effectiveness in reaching the world is directly related to how different The church is from the world so unpack that a little bit and and how can we be in the world but not of the world
1: yeah i mean so the thing i talked about in the sermon is just you know you can swing to the the wrong ditch of well i just can't be around non-christians at all they'll corrupt me and well clearly that's not what james is saying and that's not what jesus taught either uh in the high priestly prayer he prayed that we would be sent into the world but not be of it um And, you know, that idea of the the church has to be different from the world in order to reach it. Well, what are we offering, right? If we we whittle the church to look just like what an unsaved person is looking for, they already have that. It's called the world, Mm -hmm. right? So um, that does not mean we're not friendly. That does not mean we find ways to not speak in Christian jargon, right? We never want to give sermons and everything else we do is so wrapped up in Christian ease that no one understands unless you're part of the club. Well, now we're back to cutting ourselves off from the world again. Yeah, we right. don't want to do that. Um, but we also don't want to compromise the message. And, um, you know, I think one of the core things of that is the gospel. Uh, it can be tempting to always make the gospel about God's going to make your life better. Huh. Come to Jesus. Your life's going to get better. And it will in an eternal sense for sure. Mm-hmm. But we have to be honest with the gospel is bad news first. And we, we have to be willing to not pull that punch and say, we're all condemned. And it's not that uh, until you make a decision for Christ, you're neutral. No, you're already condemned the minute you're born, right? That's what the Bible teaches us. That's a hard message takes the world. I'm not saying you say that the first time you're in the backyard (laughs) talking to your neighbor, (laughs) but as the relationship builds and we're talking about, well, what do you believe? And those, we build a relationship. and We start having conversations. We have to be honest about the need for salvation. And then we talk about the great news, you know, that despite how many mistakes we've made, Christ came for us. And, um, he does make your life better in this life in the sense that he is going to give you things like peace and things that you could not have otherwise. But we're not whitewashing that into some kind of prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. where your life's going to be a breeze now that you're with Jesus. He doesn't promise us that in fact, it's the opposite, but he will be with us. That's what we, so talking about those kinds of things, that's very different than what the world would teach. And like I said, on Sunday, you know, if, I think I called it a churchified reheat of yeah. pop psychology. If that's yeah. all we're doing, if your sermons are TED talks, yep. well, they can get that on the the internet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what? And I I'm optimistic. It feels like, especially when you, you look at a lot of uh, Gen Z, they're they're seeing a lot of what the world offers isn't working. They're they're looking at the people ahead of them and they're seeing that I don't see any satisfaction there. Yeah. I, this doesn't seem like they've found the answer. Maybe I'm willing to look at some of these ancient truths that are coming through Scripture. um, I think there's an open door there for us uh, as we talk to people.
0: That is really interesting, Trevor, because we typically think that there isn't. Like, it's this fight, and every conversation I'm having is going to be an argument, and, you know, I've got to have just the right answer, and I've got to be a great debater or whatever. But I think you're right, especially in younger people right now. There is that generation that's saying, I I don't love the outward religion stuff, but I do feel like I'm spiritual. I'm asking spiritual-type questions, right? There is something... Other than me in this world, there's something beyond just dying. Uh, there's got to be a greater purpose to why I'm here. So, what is what is the answer to all this? And I think the church, Christians, believers have the answer, and the answer is contained in the person of Christ and the and the Word of God, the Bible. Um, mm-hmm probably need to do a better job of being in the world. And I love how you went to the personal relationships, you know, the neighbors and the family and the co-workers and stuff, rather than we have to have more church events that preach the gospel. We want to do that, but that's come and see stuff, which is valid, but then there's the go and tell. So the Great Commission says, be in the world, go into the world. And that happens through personal relationships. And uh, I just... I. I like the way you went with that. I think that's really important for us to understand. There's a personal responsibility and privilege of being able to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're all missionaries. We've heard it our whole lives, but do we really believe that? And I think it's important to remember that, I mean, I tell our people, like your end game is not, first of all, to get them to a church service. That's great. Your end game is to build a relationship with them that you can share Christ. And if that means you guys are hanging out and talking about spiritual things for a while before they ever come to a church service, that's okay. And that's a bit of a different mindset than it would have been decades ago. Mm. But less people have a history of going to church now. So it used to be just, well, you haven't been to a church for a while, why don't you come to ours? Or why don't you come to ours instead of that one? A lot of these people have no history of attending a church service. And they're kind of daunted because, like, you know, all those churchy people, I don't know how to act when I go there. What if all the things we all worry about, about being judged – so I think a lot of times it's going to build with a relationship of establishing trust. Um, then I can get them to—or maybe we have them come to something like a, a steak and corn feed or something that's much easier, less daunting to go to something like that than uh, to a church service. And then um, they're probably going to start watching a few sermons of the church online before they come. I, yeah. I meet almost zero people now who walk in our door who have not watched two or three right. services because right. they're just trying to figure out what yep. it's all about.
0: Yep. Okay, quickly— uh, unstained by the world how is that possible so we've got maybe teenagers young adults that are listening to this how do we tell them live a life that is unstained by the world how can we be in the world have jobs in the world go to school in the world have phones watch tv and be unstained by the world is that even possible or is it just church speak for try to be perfect (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, I don't think it's perfect. It's not perfection. Uh, Jesus prayed for us to be not of the world. So that implies to me that he's saying it's possible, right? I'm asking God to give this to the people who follow me. Um, We have to be very intentional about it. It it doesn't just happen. We don't just fall out of bed and be unstained by the world. We have to be saying, well, what are you putting into your mind? You Mm -hmm. got to be filling your mind with truth. Um, And this goes back to so many of us who grew up in churches uh, that taught us to, to study the Bible, Bible reading was always just portrayed as this thing you had to do, mm-hmm. scan your eyes across the page because that's what Christians do. Well, that's kind of that outward religion thing. Yeah. And over the years, I've realized, no, this actually changes my day, right? If I'm filling my head with truth every day, it really does change the way I see things. And it helps me gain... Wisdom and perception that I can see a worldly message that's seeping into my mind that I don't even know. Mm. Uh, and you get in a discipleship relationship, you know, we 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 always need to be doing more of that, discipling people to grow in their understanding of how Scripture applies to your daily life. Like talk about that. That um, what kind of things come up at work that you need to be ready to have a conversation with, not that you're going to be the, the preachy guy in the office or at school. I'm not saying that. I am just saying you have a, an understanding of what you believe that you can talk about it and that you can recognize what I'm hearing right there does not match the biblical worldview. And in our culture, that's mostly going to be a message about the answer lies within you. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's the core thing we got to understand. The answer is not within me. It's not my own it 's not finding my own power it 's not finding my own truth. The answer is outside of me that 's God, mm. and just being yeah. aware of it
0: my mind goes to romans twelve it 's that it 's that constant renewal, that constant transformation that when I fill my mind and heart and life with the Word of God, that allows me to live as unstained as possible because it changes the way I live, it changes my heart, it changes my perspective so it 's that it 's that moment by moment unstaining by being renewed. Um asking forgiveness, repenting, confessing, being in those one-on-one accountability type relationships to one another's. Yeah, that's that's really good.
1: Some of it's just old school. Don't put certain influences in your brain. Yeah. Right? Just avoid certain things that yeah. um are not filling you with the right ideas. And there's endless resources to fill your head with the wrong ideas. So we just gotta be really aware of what we're consuming.
0: Yeah. That's a really good question. How how is what I'm reading, what I'm watching? what I'm listening to, helping me be more like Jesus or less like Jesus, which is really simple. But most of the time, there's pretty clear answers to that. Yeah,
1: yeah and we got to be very mindful what's feeding my specific sin problem, huh. right? Um, and I think most of us, our brain goes straight to like lust and things. But think about envy. That's a huge one, and a lot of your social media feed is going to be driving envy in your heart, which is all pulling you away. That's starting to stain you by the world. That's starting to make you want stuff that or a way of life that isn't necessarily worth pursuing. So we got to, it's, we got to stay on top of it because it sneaks back in on us as soon as we think we're, we're free of it.
0: So Trevor, to kind of wrap this up, one of my major takeaways, you know, what am I, I've tried to, trying to ask myself, what am I going to do because of what I've heard? You know, Lucas bear a couple weeks ago said, make an I will statement, right? So it's a, it's a very um, personal commitment and you tell somebody about it, right? What am I going to do because of what I just heard? One of the things that we talked about today that I think God is just trying to help me be different in is just seeing people through different eyes, just having that perspective that he has and uh, seeing people with, with the real needs that they have. Not just financial needs, not just tangible physical needs, but um, people need to experience the love of God through the life of people. And uh, that's something that I want to really work better at doing. What, what's, what came out of this for you? Just give me one. I know preaching and studying and all that You know, has to be personal for you. What, yeah. What's one I will or what you're going to do because of what you learned?
1: I think really nailing down why is what comes out of my mouth coming out of my mouth? Uh, yeah. Like where did that come from? We've all had that feeling. Like, well, you need to sit down and figure out where that came from because <laughs> uh, it'll happen again if you don't figure out where that That's came right. from. Where yeah. is that a, a root of bitterness or do I have an unresolved issue with this person that I need to— confess and talk to them about whatever it is, uh, just really, um, work your way backwards. And and like I said, Sunday, don't fool yourself. It's going to come out of your mouth and that reveals your heart. So you got to address your heart.
0: Yeah. Really good. So unstained, pure religion, the kind of life that God is pleased with, guard your tongue, control your tongue, love people that are maybe on the outside a little bit, and then live a life that's, um, you're being careful about what you put into the gates of your of your eyes and your ears and ultimately into your heart. So I would just encourage people that are listening to this to ask that same question. What are you going to do with what you heard, either on the podcast, in the message, or what you are reading in Scripture, specifically here in this series, Keeping It Real. Trevor, wrap us up, and then uh, we'll sign off
1: man, I, uh, I'm i so excited you guys are in the book of James. So mm-hmm. I just encourage everybody to keep going. It's always been one of my favorite books. And uh, if you want I will statements, it is full of those. Right. It is ultra practical. So just I'm excited Sailorville's is going through this. Yeah,
0: Trevor, thank you so much. We are very, very grateful to you. And Terry, not just for this last Sunday, but of course, the life that you're living, you're a fantastic example. We love you guys. Katie, as well. And uh, it's fun to have you back this last Sunday. So thank you, and uh, thanks to our Salemville family and beyond for being a part of this podcast, even here this afternoon.